Well, hello again. You know, Jesus told a story once where he said that there's huge rejoicing in heaven when one person turns from sin and turns to God. What do you think happens in heaven when someone stands and shares about how God has worked in their life? I'm not exactly sure because I haven't been to heaven yet, but I know that when we do this on earth, that God gets honor and people get encouraged. So what does it mean to share our stories? What does it mean to give evidence to how God has worked in and through your life? See, I'm convinced that God continues to act in the ways that he says that he acted in Acts. Now, you may not have seen a flash of light like this Saul to Paul guy as he's walking down the road. You may not have heard a voice from heaven before, but I'm still convinced that God speaks, that God gives us flashes of light, flashes of insight, and people get changed forever. I'm convinced still that, that this guy, Peter, that situations like that where God works in Peter's life in such a way as to cause him to go not just to an outsider, but to a complete enemy of his culture, of his people, and of his world. This centurion named Cornelius. Because he was seeking God, and he didn't know how to come into a relationship with God, but Peter did. God worked in Peter's life in such a way that Cornelius was in. Now, I picked out two of those stories, not just because we talked about them in this past series, but because these are two stories that are both repeated in the book of Acts. Now, whenever the Bible repeats something, I mean, it's a long book. I wasn't an editor, but, but it's a long book. You might want to think twice about repeating the same story, but both of these are repeated. In fact, Paul's testimony is not just talked about one time, Acts 9, if you want the reference. It's not just talked about two times, Acts 22. It's talked about three different times in a 28-chapter book, Acts 26, which we're going to in a moment. This, the writer was prompted by the Holy Spirit to include Paul's testimony of how God radically worked in his life and continued to work in his life, that he had it three times in the story. Now, if we had all day, we could talk about the nuances of, you know, not just why it's in the story, but what parts are different in each of those. There's, there's a couple little pieces that are different that might give us a clue as to why it's included in the story. But the reason I say that today is because we sometimes need to be reminded that God still works. And sometimes we need to hear it not from the guy or the gal who is called by God or who stands up to talk about the Bible and the Spirit of God at work, but from everybody saying, God worked in my life in this way. No, God worked through me in this way. In fact, Paul never, never missed an opportunity to share either how God worked in his life or just how God was at work. And today, that's what we're doing. Today, we're, we're asking the questions, 
where has God been at work or acted in your life lately? And, or, where has God worked in you so that he would work through you? Now, if you think about the story as this idea of unstoppable, this unstoppable spirit of God, and and the volatility of this little church in this huge empire that could have easily been crushed, not only by the Romans, but also by the Jews who were like, whoa, this is kind of getting out of hand. It's kind of breaking things apart. We're not sure what we should do. In fact, there's active opposition to this story and to this movement. And now we see how it's spread to three, four billion people on the planet that are Christ followers or who would recognize Jesus as the Son of God, as God. And it's hard to imagine that the story is really only one generation from being stopped. If everyone decided not to testify, not to continue the story, maybe it wouldn't be one generation, but in a very short amount of time, Bibles would go out of circulation, stories would start to cease, people would start to forget who this person is. Now, maybe God is God and and Jesus' spirit would then rise up again, but I don't say that to scare us. I just say that to emphasize the power of sharing the story. And here's some encouragement if you need it. Go to Acts 26. If you have it in print, you can open it. If you need one, you can raise your hand, or if you have one in tech, you can tap it open. Acts 26 is the third time that Paul tells his testimony. And he's before a king giving his defense against some of the Jews that are accusing him. And today I'm going to read it in the message, just in case you've read it before. It kind of gives it in today's language. And Paul says this in Acts 26, verse 12. He says before the king, as he says, how do you respond to these charges that the Jews have against you? He says, well, one day I was on my way to Damascus, armed as always with these papers from the high priests authorizing my actions. Right in the middle of the day, in the blaze of light, there was a light that outshined the sun, and it poured out from the sky on me and all my companions. I was actually blinded by this light. It was so bright. We fell flat on our faces, O king. And then I heard a voice in Hebrew that said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Why do you insist on going against the grain? And I said, who are you, master? And the voice said, I am Jesus, the one you are hunting down like an animal. But now, get up on your feet. You're the one I have, sorry, get up on your feet. I have a job for you. I've handpicked you to be a servant and a witness to what's happened today and to what I'm going to show you. So I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so they can see the difference between light and dark and choose light. I'm sending you to see the difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sins forgiven for a place in the family inviting all into the company of those who begin really living by believing in me. And Paul says, what could I do, King Agrippa? I couldn't walk away from a vision like that. 
I became obedient on the spot. I started preaching this life-changing message, this radical turn to God and everything it meant in everyday life right there in Damascus. I went on to Jerusalem and to the surrounding countrysides, and from there I went on to the whole world. And it's because of this whole world dimension that the Jews grabbed me in the temple and tried to kill me that day. They wanted to keep God for themselves. But God has stood by me just as he promised, and I'm standing here saying what I've been saying to anyone anywhere, whether king or child, who will listen. This is Paul's third testimony, third time he's given evidence to what has happened in his life. And this is just the third one we have recorded. I have a feeling he shared this over and over, often and often, but it never lost its flavor. It never lost its punch. He never got distracted from God's vision for his life. That's pretty unstoppable. I have kept this vision for my life. How did he do it? What kept him so obedient to that vision that he got from heaven? And if we could know that, then then could we have the same kind of unstoppable faith that would result in action? That would cause us to say, let me tell you how God's worked in my life. See, I think that if we believe what Paul believed, then we would have that kind of unstoppable faith. So hear this call to testimony as practice to share how God has worked in your life. Now, I think just a couple things. If you need some encouragement in this, I think there are three things that that kept Paul to this vision. The first one was that that Paul's vision was not just to an ideal or not just to a code or a principle or this good idea. This vision was to a person. Every time Paul talks about this, he talks about Jesus as if he can hear him and see him and know him and talk to him and follow him like he's a best friend and a Lord. Because he is. And I think anytime I get distracted in my life, it's because I'm following my religion instead of that relationship with Jesus. See, I think religion at its best gives us a structure that helps our faith and our relationship with God. And I think religion at its worst gives us rules and rituals and distractions from our relationship with God. And Paul just remained obedient to a person. I mean, listen to how he says it in Galatians 2.20, if you want the reference. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. Like, the life I thought I was living without Jesus wasn't really life. So I gave it up. And he continues and says, the life I now live, I live through Jesus, who loves me and who gave himself for me. If you're in a place where you believe in Jesus, but it just seems hard to follow God, it seems hard to be close to God, this idea of sharing a testimony of how God has worked in your life scares you because you really aren't sure how God has worked in your life, you don't have to feel guilty. Please don't feel shame. That's not why I'm bringing this up. I'm bringing it up as an encouragement to us to say, have we been following 
rules or rituals instead of just enjoying and, and seeking and sitting in a relationship with Jesus who loves us, who gave himself for us. So Paul kept, I think Paul kept himself obedient to God's vision for him because he was focused on a person. I think also Paul kept this vision because it had a purpose in it. He was clear about what he was supposed to do. God said, Jesus said, I've handpicked you to be my servant and witness to go tell what's happened today and what I'm going to show you. And I'm sending you to open people's eyes to light and dark and choose light, to open people's eyes to God and Satan and choose God. And I'm sending you to present this offer of forgiveness of sins. It was clear. Paul stayed focused on it. And Paul just kept doing what he was simply given to do. He knew who told him to do it. And he knew why he was told to do it. And I think a lot of times in life, whether it's church or whether it's your work or whether it's your family, sometimes we just forget why we do what we do. Like this, oh, I don't know, we did that last time, let's do it again. Like even the first day of school, I know school just got out, but if you've ever gone into a class or you've had to sit in a group meeting, have you ever noticed that the second time you meet, most people sit in the exact same spot? Like we're just creatures of habit. And we fall into these grooves, and I think sometimes that happens in our life. We just start doing things, or, you know, two people, they might get married, and they just start these routines, and all of a sudden, if they don't stop the routines, they kind of forget why they're together, and they just start coexisting. I'm not saying that is a great thing. I'm just saying that's some of the things that happen when we forget why we do this. And you don't have to be a pastor to have purpose. You just need to remember that God loves you, has a, has a plan for your life, wants you to make a difference in the world, and there's a difference between making a life and making a living. So do you invite God into the everyday moments of your day? Paul did, and it kept him to the vision. And the last thing that we see in this little testimony from Paul that kept him towards this vision I think, is this idea of a prize. He said, King Agrippa, how could I, how could I not follow that? Because I looked forward in faith, and I saw what God had done and was doing in my life, and I had to stick with it. He says in 1 Corinthians to the people of Corinth, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? So run in such a way as to get the prize. He says that, that he strikes a blow to his body. He fights like a boxer, not beating the air. He doesn't run like someone who runs aimlessly. He runs to the finish. He keeps his eyes focused ahead so that he won't be disqualified for this prize. So Paul kept his focus on Jesus. He kept his focus on his purpose. And he kept focused on a prize that would last forever. As you look back over the last week, over the last month, or this last season, has it been easy for you to focus on eternal things, or have, has it been easy to focus on temporary circumstances? And I know for me, sometimes temporary circumstances make me want to complain, or get distracted, or even stop from following Jesus in that moment. 
And God invites us to simply confess that, acknowledge it, and turn towards him. And he acts in those moments. So if we want to remain obedient to God's vision, and we'll talk more about God's vision at our vision meeting, just know that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to pretend. You just need to trust that Jesus is working in and through your life because he loves you and he calls you to him. Now, again, I invite you to share a story of restoration, a story of trust or of faith or how God's worked. And I know you're all just jumping to grab this microphone, so I'm just going to bring it right up, right up here, you know, because nobody likes to go first, so we'll just say the first person's gone, so who wants to go second? Um, but just to inspire you, last week we had this picture. We had these little tiny pieces of paper that we asked you to draw, asked you to, to create and color and put your names on, and each one of these little tiny pictures tells a story because it's from your life, it's from your art, it's from the inside of you. Each little part tells a story, but all these little tiny broken pieces, when they're put together, they tell another story. See, that's the beauty of God's mosaic of life and God's mosaic of church, is when we get together and when we share the little pieces of our lives, and it doesn't have to be big and it doesn't have to be long, but when we do, God just doesn't make something beautiful in your life. When you share it, he makes something so big and beautiful. This, friends, is, is the church. This is what we do. This is what it means to share. So, will you come? Will you talk about how God has acted in your life? Maybe it's through an answered prayer. Maybe it's in response to this 90-day tithe challenge. Maybe it's when God's given you courage to deal with something that's incredibly hard. Or maybe it's just that God has given you peace in a tough situation or an anxious circumstance. Come and share. Hi, I'm, I'm John Trader. Heart's kind of pounding right now. but <laughs> uh, Just reflecting back on the series of Unstoppable, and just kind of looking at some of my notes, um, Rob had shared that looking at all the churches in the world, that only six out of the top ten actually worship Christ. And, um, you know, a lot of Buddhism, Hinduism, uh, churches out there, and only four out of the ten are actually worshiping Christ. And I'm thankful that I come to a church each Sunday that um, reads scripture, that speaks the truth, truth, and challenges me uh, personally in my life. So thank you. And so we think of that, and there's a huge ministry out there of the lost. And um, we just, uh, through this series of Unstoppable in the book of Acts, um, are challenged with the Great Commission of Go and Make Disciples. And um, we think of the life of Stephen, um, who stood firm for Christ. And he was persecuted, uh, persecuted to um, death. And he stood for Christ, and he uh, stood firm. And actually, that story, um, um, it kind of haunts me, because you think of Stephen's life and what he did. Um, he didn't waver in his faith for Christ. 
and he was a new believer, and he stood firm. And I'm not persecuted. I live in the United States where I don't have a gaggle of people who are confronting me and say, why are you worshiping this Christ? You're, you're blaspheming our God, and why are you doing this? And, and being stoned to death. And because Stephen stood for Christ, it's the only place in the Bible where it says that Christ stood at the right hand of God the Father. And everywhere else in the Bible, it talks about um, uh, Christ seated at the right hand or um, on the right hand of God the Father. But, um, Rob, you just talked about what happens when somebody gives a testimony. When Paul gave his testimony, what happens in heaven? Well, we see a glimpse. Christ stood when Stephen stood for him. So, uh, just kind of looking forward. So, what's my part? What part do I play in this huge ministry field? And it seems kind of um, overwhelming. And but in Acts, um, there's the story of Ananias, and I've read through that story a bunch of times. I never heard it told like uh, Rob told it. And Ananias was a, what role did he play? And he was the leading actor. And I never thought of that story as the leading actor in um, bringing um, um, Paul um, back to start acknowledging Christ and to really serve, serve God in a, in a whole new way. And Ananias, if you remember, was the person who through um, a vision and through also Paul's vision uh, brought um, testimony to, to Paul and, and brought him, brought him to um, serving Christ. And so, I, you know, I'm Ananias, and what role do I play in, in this great commission that we're all called to as Christians? And last Sunday, when we um, um, had this piece of paper that we had to write names in the back of, I think it was very um, fitting that my daughter wanted a color, our shape, as a color of a rainbow. And um, I actually didn't realize this until just now, but um, a, the rainbow is a symbol of, of a covenant that, that God gave us when he flooded the earth. And a covenant really is a promise. And we wrote three names on the back of our piece of paper, and um, we just multiplied our entire family. If all those three come to Christ, we just multiplied um, ourselves as a family. And... Um, those, thinking of those three people that we wrote on the back of that piece of paper, I'm sorry, I'm taking away too much time, but, uh, you know, it was a family member, it was a neighbor or a friend, and it was a coworker. And um, I maybe might not be that person that has that um, opportunity to see Christ come to those individuals, but I have a role to play where I can actually pray for that person. And um, maybe I can be the Ananias for the person you're praying for. I thought of a couple of things uh, that I would like to share. First of all, um, as a member of the leadership team, I have seen amazing providence of God over this church. Um, as he's led us through many, many transitions from children's ministry to students' ministry to hospitality to set up and tear down, every time we... Um, Every time he's been there taking us through those transitions, also financially at the end of last year, we were really um, struggling as a church, and he found and he, he saw that, and with amazing providence, he um, 
found a way for us to get past that with um, something that we were able to do with our health care for Rob. And I'm just amazed every time that happens, and I can speak for the leadership team, as we've seen each one of those things happen, it's, it brings goosebumps to the back of my neck. So he's really watching over this church. The other thing I'll share is a personal note. Um, if you know me, one of my pet peeves is that I can't stand it when people complain about their job. It's a very common thing in our culture for some reason, but I find myself in a very low point in my career right now in 17 years. And uh, God is with me through this. And what he's doing for me is he's giving me perseverance. He's giving me humility. He's given me colleagues to support through the um, challenging times. And it's very real for me um, to feel his presence. And so I just really feel him right now, even though it's a hard time. And I feel good about that. And so just wanted to share that. Hi, my name is Brad Dahlman, and I'd like to explain how I saw God work through the life of my mother-in-law, Karen Fordyce. Um, Karen Fordyce's life lasted 71 years. She passed away about a month ago, and through her entire life, we saw her grow from a humble, quiet, meek individual to a leader of small groups at her church. She discipled. She led three godly girls through Christ, uh, brother-in-laws of mine, as well as 12 grandchildren. And um, even in the last weeks when she was in hospice care, she was ministering and challenging others on her, on her death. She was more ready for her death than any of us. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time eulogizing her, but she was a special lady, and she had an influence on so many people's lives that we found out about only after her death as we heard more and more about it. So I want to lift her up, especially on this day, which, ironically enough, is her 72nd birthday today. So thank you. Uh, good morning. My name is Elena Tanaka. Um, and over the last couple of weeks, listening to Rob talk about Acts um, really brought everything to life for me. Um, I went to Bethel University, and I went to a Christian um, high school before college, and so I'm used to reading books in the Bible and studying them, and it was one of those things where I always skipped all the Gospels and Acts, and I always went straight to Romans, because I was like, well, those are, I know all those stories, I'm not going to get anything new out of them, um, but to have Rob walk us through Acts really brought it to life. It was amazing to see the life of these disciples, these followers of Christ, and not really realizing how revolutionary they were and how um, they were putting themselves at risk to spread this message that they were so passionate about and um, always kind of understood, you know, they, they were prosecuted. Yes, they, they did all these amazing things, but really, I mean, what they did, the fact that their follower, this idea that they had this person had just been killed, and yet here they're going out and spreading this word, and multiple times they're imprisoned, and then they're freed. I mean, you'd think I admittedly probably would have then left if I was in prison, 
and then released, I'd get as far as I could from that place. But these people stayed because they were so passionate about this message, and that was just um, one thing that really resonated with me. So, Rob, thank you very much for bringing Acts to life. It's, I'd say, much better than the TV show AD, so thank you. Good morning. My name is Jacob, and... Um, A lot of people who know me know me as being a person that's organized, detailed, likes to plan, and that includes my life and my future. I um, Earlier this year, I was informed by a friend of mine <laughs> um, of a ministry opportunity that was going to be starting up. Um, next year, and they said that I should consider um, being part of it, and that ministry opportunity was church planting. I thought to myself, I'm going to school, I'll be graduating with a degree in Bible and theology, church planting, no problem, um, let's do it. And so I thought about considering being part of that. Last weekend was graduation down in Iowa, and this church plant was also down in Iowa, which meant that I would be leaving Restoration, but it also meant that I would be leaving Minnesota. When I went down there, though, I felt uneasy. I didn't feel at peace. I was worried. I didn't know what. God wanted me to do. And when I went down there to where this church plant's going to be, I said, Lord, is this the next step? Is this the next step where I am supposed to be? And the Lord said, Jacob, I have a call and I have a ministry for you, but it is not here. Trust me that I have everything in control. You will have peace when you know that you are in my will, you are going in the direction where I have called you. This last week has been emotional because I have learned to hand things over to the Lord. I have learned to let go of things in my life that I hold on so tightly that when God tries to pry my hands open, it hurts. But I have learned this last week to sit, in, sit at the feet of Jesus, sit in his presence, and allow his Holy Spirit to fill me, to be used not only through here at Restoration and in the Apple Valley area, but also in my workplace as well to touch lives outside of this community. Thank you. I'll try to be quick. Um, my name is Danielle Hinson. Um, about a year ago, I stood up here and told you about my husband and his job loss two Januaries ago. Um, and then it happened again last January. And it's been a really long year and a half. And... I want to be up here and tell you that God's done amazing and wonderful, miraculous things. But there's no big boom story. 
but there's tons of little booms. And I will say that I think if he came at me with a big boom, I probably would have fallen over and wouldn't have taken it very well. But along the way, we've gotten little gift cards to get us groceries the next week. We've gotten rent payments in an envelope that I don't know where they came from to this day. Sorry. I've watched my husband apply to over 350 jobs and be turned down. And about a month ago, I ended up in the hospital for a week. My little boom there was that I got insurance a week before that. I had been without for the entire year and a half. <laughs> we had to call and get the numbers off the card to tell the hospital. While I was in the hospital, my dearest friend, Miss Olivia, came and saw me every single day. Brought me caribou coffee that I couldn't stomach, <laughs> but I tried. Brought me a beautiful blanket to just be my wrapped up in. And after everything we've gone through and all of the questions and all of the, I don't understand, I thought I had figured out God. And when everything fell apart, I realized I didn't know a lot of anything. And all the stuff that I thought I knew didn't make sense anymore. But as we've all learned, God will come get you in wherever you are. And so when I shut the book, when I couldn't take it and I couldn't make sense out of it, he brought me friends that told me the word of God instead. And my dear friend Olivia was a big part of that. And then um, she happened to be sharing with someone this poor family, like, if it could go wrong, it has, and blah, 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 and this woman she told this to said, well, there happens to be an opening where I work. My husband got that job, <laughs> and he didn't even go online to apply, <laughs> and he's a banker, and it's not a huge, big boom again. It wasn't the 18 months of treachery for this job but it might be because it has potential and it has a future and it has a plan, just like God said. So I am thankful that along the way, when I wanted to walk away, he didn't let me. He sent me little surprises. He sent me my friends, and he gave me my children who sit and chat with me and laugh with me and go on bike rides with me. My son, who... He has no idea how much his presence doesn't let me give up on God. He just keeps showing me, don't stop believing. So I'm very grateful for my family and my friends and for a God who doesn't give up even when I want to. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you everyone for sharing. And it's so encouraging to hear all the stories of what God is is doing in, a, in and amongst, not just this community as a whole, but in the, within the individuals. Um, as I was doing some reading last night, um, I was reading one of my favorite authors, theologians, pastors, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and, and he said uh, that we must be ready to allow our ourselves to be interrupted by God. Um, he will be constantly crossing our paths and canceling our plans. And I, I think that these stories are testimony of that, that God just comes and, you know, 
whatever we plan, he just has his own thing planned. And um, when we align our hearts with him and when we are open to what he is doing, um, beautiful things happen. And he just encourages all of us. So we have one more song that we're going to sing. So I want to invite you to stand. And it's it's an old one um, from 1985. But it's a good one that I love. And um, It's not so long ago. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I was born before that, so I'm not. Anyway, um, it's he is exalted, and uh, I think most of you are familiar with it, and I just want to invite all of you just to sing out uh, the words to it because they are so true and, um, and so powerful. Mm-hmm. 